0: everybody welcome to episode nine of the good the bad and the wretched my name is chris and with me here is josh hi and today folks we have a special christmas episode for you but instead of regular christmas movies we're going to talk about movies that make me want to say humbug that's right movies that are kind of anti-christmas for the most part but there are some pro christmas in there i think as long as as far as i know i've got a few pro christmas how about you
1: yeah, I wouldn't say anti-Christmas, because I like Christmas. Well,
0: we like Christmas. I like Christmas the best. Who doesn't like Christmas? I don't <laughs> get that stuff. Crazy people.
2: All right. Right? I
0: know, right? I, I, I always said, I like Christmas the best because it's got my name in it. Christmas. Yes. So anyway, let's start off with what we've been watching. Um, I've just got a couple this week. I just watched a movie called Scar from 2007. Ooh. And this was the November choice of the readers of the video graveyard for their Pick Our Brain. Um... Why this is significant is because it is the first movie shot in digital 3D HD. So that was the big hype of it. I remember reading a news article about this movie saying that when it screened in 3D, people were passing out and vomiting, Nice, which is a load of shit. It's just the PR spin. Really, I
1: I was laughing. Do you think anyone ever did that? I doubt it. Was there anything that made you think people might pass out or vomit?
0: Well, there's like a little bit of hostile, like torture in it and stuff, but it's nothing like nothing anyone who has watched a horror movie in their lifetime would be passing out and fainting over. Okay, so I mean, it it was okay. Don't get me wrong; it was okay. It's Angela Bettis is a star. Okay, from May and. I realized this when watching the movie, and I wrote about this when I did my review, is that I really can't picture Angela Bettis as anyone other than May. I have a really hard time of it. true. I mean, true. she was so awesome in that movie, and now when I see her in all these low-budget horror movies and things like that, I'm just like, I just can't... I don't know what it is. I just can't remove myself from that character. She's forever going to be Angela... Well, May, sorry, not Angela, yeah. to me. I mean, she was good in Toolbox Murders, the remake, the yeah. Tobey Hooper remake, but... She's just May. She'll always be May. I don't know if she can do anything that's going to top that. In this movie, she just spent a lot of time looking concerned oh. and looking scared because the story goes that she befell victim to a serial killer when she was 17 years old. He was killing people in his funeral home, torturing them. Her and her best friend kind of get drawn in by him and they're taken down into the basement and tortured. And she escapes. The friend's not so lucky, obviously. Right. And she has a scar on her cheek to remind her of this. Okay. She returns to town about 16 years later for her brother's daughter's graduation from high school. The killings start anew. We don't know if it's this killer who we thought was dead or if it's somebody who's copycatting to make her go nuts. And that's the basic premise of the movie is that Angela Bettis think she's going crazy but people are popping up dead all the time it's kind of like a slasher movie mixed with saw because there's the slasher movie part is really tame in a way because most of the deaths are off screen right there's one scene of nudity and that's it which for a a standard slasher movie is kind of weird yeah and it has one of those post scream things where the killer reveal is ridiculous okay and uh the sauce stuff is basically the flashbacks to her being tortured as a teenager there is some pretty graphic stuff in there and you know what i watched the blu-ray of it i didn't think it was terrible it came with some of those shitty red and blue 3d glasses i tried it out i can't watch a movie tinted red i'm sorry it's just not for me what compelled you to buy this it was three (laughs) bucks so (laughs) i'll buy almost anything for under five dollars so I, I was like, it's three bucks. It's Angela Bettis. It's got a cool cover of this chick screaming with like half of her jaw cut off with sti- staples holding oh, it together. Yeah, I know the cover, I'm like, yeah. that's a cool cover. It's not in the movie, but it's a cool cover. <laughs> um, the only other thing I watched was a 1984 movie called Heavenly Bodies. Nice. I remember is that one. A wonderful Canadian tax shelter movie. I remember the cover. Wasn't it like some chick like. She was doing that aerobic squat, like 20 yeah, minute workout yeah. action going on. And that was Cynthia Dale. Did she have a headband? Yes, she had a headband. Yeah, I and know. those leg warmers.
1: I remember that picture quite well.
0: I actually felt like I should be wearing leg warmers and a headband while I was watching this movie. It was just so <laughs> dated. It was dancer size to the max. Like jazzer size? Like jazzer size, yeah. Nice. Cynthia Dale plays Samantha, who's this plucky young dreamer, who all these 80s movies like Flashdance and that, they were. And she opens up a health club like an aerobics club called heavenly bodies and she gets instant success because she's a great trainer and everything. Oh, i remember being disappointed because i was like there's a lot of i thought there'd be heavenly bodies but yeah, then that place no. was called heavenly Bodies." If if you really enjoy girls in spandex dancing then it's great it's co-produced by playboy but there's barely anything sexual in it there's like no real nudity there's no real like Anything, really. I mean, when the when the most sexual th- sexuality thing in it is her six-year-old son asking her to explain what an orgy is, that's a little scary. It's creepy as hell, that scene. How does she explain it? I can't remember, but it was kind of creepy. But <laughs> Cynthia Dale is the star, and she's been in a lot of Canadian stuff. She's a pretty well-known Canadian actress. She's the only one who actually has a career outside of this movie wow. since it came out. It was only her second movie. Her first movie was My Bloody Valentine, and she got killed in it. Okay. And uh, she went on to like some Canadian CBC shows. Like, a, There was a, a lawyer show she was in that I can't remember the name of right now. And uh, she's really good in it. She's kind of like... I think she was kind of cast because she looked like Jennifer Beals, because she's got the curly right. black yeah, hair. Yeah, I totally remember her on the I cover. Mean, and it's totally trying to be Flashdance, because mm-hmm. Adrian Lin's movie was such a huge hit the year prior, right? And then they also made Perfect in the year after with Jamie Lee Curtis oh, and that jo- John Travolta, that I love. which was terrible because <laughs> it was basically he was a reporter and he falls for Jamie Lee Curtis. And I don't know. I thought Heavenly Bodies it was soap opera level drama, lots of dancing and singing, and Cynthia Dale looking really cute. Great. And uh, it was directed by Lawrence Dane, who is a well known veteran Canadian actor who was in such movies as Scanners and Happy Birthday to Me and of an unknown origin. Right. And he also appeared in Bride of Chucky. So he's been in over 100 movies as a character actor, but this is the only movie he ever directed.
1: I think he was in a movie called American Nightmare, if I'm not mistaken. I think, and
0: he was also in Rituals.
1: Oh, was he? Yeah.
0: So, I mean... Yeah, I totally know the name. It's super weird that he made this aerobics movie (laughs) and he co-wrote it and everything and... I always thought that was a strange decision on his behalf. And I'd I'd love to hear why he did it. Yeah. I mean, if I could get a hold of him, I'd be like, dude, what's with Heavenly Bodies? <laughs> it seems a little weird. So there was that. I watched that on TCM because at 1 o'clock on Friday nights, 1 a.m. Friday nights, they have their Underground where they play all these culty common movies. That's where I also saw Corvette Summer with Mark Hamill. Oh, okay, cool. So I watched that. And then the only other thing I really have is... The fact that I've been having great difficulty actually staying awake through movies lately. Yeah, I know that. Because I I started watching Office Space because I was like, I want to watch something funny. And I fell asleep. I started watching Rambo, 2008 Rambo. So, you know, the mind, people running through the mind, mind rice patties and the like kids being thrown into fires and stuff like that. The gory Rambo. And I fell asleep to that too. So, needless to say, I had some very interesting dreams those two nights. It was like Rambo trying to steal someone's stapler or something along those lines, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all I have. What Rambo you... trying to steal someone's stapler? Yeah, it's like Office Space mixing with Rambo, because <laughs> there's that character in oh, Office yeah. Space who's was like, I, I, "I want you, you have my stapler. I want my stapler." And uh, I just pictured Rambo like running up and stealing people's staplers and killing like, you know, Middle Eastern people <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, I have weird
1: dreams. So. Well, not to go against the grain again, but what's the deal with Office Space? Like, why do people like it so much? I am, because I don't really get it. I mean, I kind of get it, and I I really enjoyed, like, the first 45 minutes of it, but then the last 45 minutes, I I didn't really, I, I just don't get why it's such a classic.
0: I think the appeal of Office Space is that you've probably worked with some of those stereotypes he puts in the movie. Yeah. I mean, you've worked with those people who are super cheerful on Monday mornings. You've worked with those mm. bosses who are dicks and always want you to stay later and, you know... Yeah. And they don't want to. They want to go play golf and stuff. You, It's just... It's relatable on that level. And you're right. It does lose steam. I don't love it as much as a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I thought it was a fun movie, but yeah. I just... it'
1: People really love this
0: one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, like, a huge, huge, like, diehard fan of the movie, but I like to throw it on once in a while when I need a cheap laugh, when it's like, you know, I'm... Feeling like, oh, I could use a little laugh and I can't think of what to watch. I'll sometimes throw on Office Space. and I'll usually will fall asleep to it. (laughs) So I don't know what that has to say for the quality of that movie. I mean, I like Mike Judge. Yeah. He did uh, Beavis and Butthead, obviously. Yeah. And he did another movie called Idiocracy with Luke Wilson, which I really liked a couple years after Office Space, where it's about how in the future... People are just gonna become super dumb. Right. Yeah. And that has a lot of good laughs because I believe in Devo's theory of de evolution mm-hmm. that the human race is getting more and more stupid. As yeah. time goes on, and I believe in that well you can see that no you offense to outside. anybody listening, but I do believe in that and he also did um extract with Jason Bateman, which yeah, has a good it, one. which has its moments yeah I, I and that 's another one of those three dollar blu ray pickups that oh, I got yeah. the same day I bought scar, so
1: oh, I was with you that day i'm sure I, I, think I might it was at the dollar store. yeah, it
0: was I think I might <laughs> actually revisit extract one day but that 's it. What do you got because
1: that's what we do? We hang out at the dollar store yeah
0: we 're cool things. like that
1: <laughs> well i 've got a I got a few titles um, that i I watched um so the first one is after we uh, did our robots gone wild episode, um, we decided to watch Lady Terminator right after, and because uh, Chris had never seen it before. Hell and, yes, um, we did. <laughs> so it's an Indonesian movie from 1989, as we talked about, and um, it's a, basically a rip-off of the Terminator. Although um, it's not quite a, like it's not a scene for scene ripoff. Yeah,
0: and I remember you telling me when we were recording last episode. You were like, Oh, it's a total rip off of Terminator. And then we're watching it. I'm like, dude, she's not even a robot. What the fuck's no, with No, she yeah, she
1: gets but yeah, gets possessed by she's this this what she's an anthropologist. <laughs> yeah, and she gets possessed by this like we can't Indian, forget the, she's an anthropologist. Well, she tells
2: everyone.
0: <laughs> she's like I'm not a lady, I'm an anthropologist which is the most famous line.
1: Yeah, and she gets possessed by this like the sea like, goddess sea goddess that by, with eels going up her vagina. Yeah and, she and ba- then, yeah. yeah, and then she goes and has sex
0: with dudes, and then the eels, I think, they eat, eat their, their, cocks. their cocks. Yeah, because yeah. they're, they're scenes of <laughs> them, like, she's riding them, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, real good. And then all of a sudden, blood's spraying up their chest. So I'm like, yeah, that's some killer vagina you got there, lady. Yeah. That's almost like that movie Teeth. Yeah. But, I mean... Uh, she does actually turn into a robot somehow in the last 20 minutes where she shoots lasers from her eyes and i don't understand how this came to be because there was no indications of her being a robot before that apart from the time when she poked her eye out with a scalpel just like arnold did in terminator (laughs)
1: like it's got scenes from terminator like the eye scene it's got the nightclub scene sort of and then it's got the finale where she yeah like where the kind of messed up post car crash robot comes the she
0: bitch comes out yeah yeah,
1: but it's pretty fun. I mean, like the last forty-five minutes is like p- pretty much non-stop. Dude, it's the last fire. hour. Yeah,
0: I think the first fifteen, twenty minutes establishes the minimal plot there could possibly be, and yeah. then she just runs around topless. <laughs> screwing guys to death and then ripping off the Terminator and things blow up a lot and yeah. guns go off a lot. and there's Like scenes, a lot
1: of guns, a there's lot of There's scenes of, of her walking
0: down a hallway sporting a fucking M16 <laughs> just like looking all nasty and everything. I loved it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
0: I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm not that overly familiar with Indonesian action movies, <laughs> but I know they're batshit crazy. Yeah. And this is pure proof of that batshit craziness was Lady Terminator for sure. Yeah. Holy man.
1: So if you can find the mondo macabre DVD, um, it's worth it's worth checking out. It's a good party movie, that's for sure. Well,
0: yeah, and your, our version we watched was VHS, and it wasn't uncut. No. So I'm curious to see the uncut version that I they put out. I actually don't
1: know if the Mondo Macabre DVD is uncut It says either. it is
0: when I looked it up.
1: There's, I think there's another. Really? Like another, there's a, some sort of foreign VHS that's like a European version that's really uncut. Hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. But Let's it,
0: just say that after I watch that, me and Josh may have to partake in a few more Indonesian action movies in the future. I know there's that one that you always try and get me to watch called Jungle Goddesses or something like that oh, with, yeah. <laughs> that we always look at when we're picking a movie to listen to after we record. Yeah. And I might actually have to take you up on that now that I've seen the the awesomeness that is Lady Terminator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So another another one I watch on the polar opposite end of the spectrum is a documentary called Bronies. The Extremely Unexpected Adult Fans of My Little Pony.
0: That's a mouthful.
1: Yeah. So... My Little Pony has been making a comeback in the last few years.
0: Yeah, because there's this new show called Friendship is Magic.
1: Yeah, and it's done in Vancouver here.
2: Yes, and it is. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. Like, there's the, the weird thing about it is it's a show that's pretty much made for it's made for kids. Now, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's made for little girls. I've seen a few episodes myself, and um, it's it's it is pretty. It's a decent animated series, but the problem is that it's created this. Huge subculture. I don't know if it's a problem that that wasn't that wasn't nice. I think it's a problem. <laughs> it's anyway. It's created a big subculture of twenty and thirty year old dudes that are really into the show. Yeah. So and this documentary is basically about some of these dudes. Yeah. And I, I you know I thought it was very safe. I didn't think it was creepy at all. I mean, the documentary was obviously made to sort of spin that this well, is cool.
0: Yeah, it was made to kind of be inspirational for fellow bronies.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the guys in it I thought was pretty inspirational. There was one of the guys had Asperger's syndrome, mm-hmm. and he was a British guy. And oh, yeah, it, yep. this really helped him. And I really dug that that storyline. But the other ones,
0: yeah, I was just kind of like... Eh. I find it a little creepy. I mean, I can't talk. I can't talk too much because I'm, I have a... A ho uh, a room at home where it's not filled my with My Little Pony stuff. Not My Little Ponies, but it's filled with like you know horror movie figures, and it's filled with like stuff like that, like all that kind of memorabilia. And yeah, you know, I've got stuff like that at home. It's not My Little Ponies, but maybe it's just because for me, My Little Pony's always been a girl thing. Even when I was growing up, My Little Pony was a girl thing, and that's I find it kind of creepy. it it, it almost has this pedophilic air to it to me in a way.
1: Well, I didn't. Uh, like the I no, didn't get that the from the notion movie. of bronies. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. And I, you know, the movie. I what I liked is how it does kind of spin that around a bit, and it, mm-hmm. it does kind of de-genderify the whole thing, well, which yeah, I like thought I did, was kind of. Yeah, cool. I
2: didn't get
0: that from the movie that they were going to go out and be pedophiles. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna say that right out
1: it it was it was good that way and i thought john delancey who's who's one of the voice actors um in it and he's been in star trek and stuff he came off as really cool and really supportive of the whole scene and it's a pretty cool scene if you're into that stuff it's just i'm not i just find (laughs) it weird but
0: i mean i'm sure there's other things in this lifetime i would find much weirder than
1: that i suppose yeah and i mean i mean it was it's sort of like you know but i mean you know a lot of people think God, uh, horror is a guy's thing right that's true but there's a
0: lot of women that are into horror well yeah and a lot I of I think they're super cool so well, and, uh, yeah and a lot of the a lot of the women who are into horror now are producing those movies this year especially yeah that are getting the recognition movies like the Babadook yeah and things like that that are popping up on year end list so you know you're tr- it's true
1: it's, it was an interesting, it was. It made you think a bit, uh, you know, yeah. it, it was a harmless little documentary. Yeah. There was nothing really controversial in it, no. but it was a decent watch. I mean, it went by quick, and it was an interesting look, but I, I yeah, it definitely didn't show any of the dark side of this, which yeah. there may be. There has to be. Yeah. There's a dark side to everything. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, and there's that other I'm one. I wonder what a brony is. It's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, there is another brony documentary, too, but I don't remember what it's called. I think it's called My Little Brony or something. Right, it, it focuses on the one voice actress from the show, right her name eludes me right, yeah, now. I can't remember it, either. but she's from Vancouver, yeah, and it's I think it's kind of about her and how she associates with these fans and everything, and she was in the this Bronie's documentary too, and she seemed really cool towards the fans as well,
1: yeah, she seemed really cute too, yeah,,
0: yeah. <laughs> and that that's not a uh that's not a hindrance at all if you're cute, no, you can never. get away with anything if you're cute. <laughs>
1: All right, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, I picked up a book in the last couple of months um, by a, it's a Canadian it's put out by a Canadian independent publisher um, and it's called Kid Power and what it is is it's about it's um, basically a compilation of articles um, about um, TV shows we you know we enjoyed as a kid uh, as kids, but it's um, a little more obscure is it than- just
0: TV shows.
1: It focuses on TV. So, like, a big part of... A big, huge chunk of this book is is dedicated to after-school specials. Oh, okay. Which... Um, it's, which are fascinating if you grew up in the 80s. It's pretty fascinating. And, and the book really... Um, really it, like, there's a huge section that goes through all the people, like, the sort of name actors that were in after-school specials and then mm-hmm. describes their episodes. So, there's a bunch of stuff about Christy McNichol yep. and... Um, there's all kind. There's a whole whack of people in, um listed in here. Trini Alvarado. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember. There was I can't remember who was in the stoned one, but anyway, there's it's Kim Richards. So there's a whole <laughs> a whole chunk of this book is about that, mm-hmm. um, and it also talks about um, a whole bunch of other. Um, uh, movies, yeah, there were actually. Sorry, there is some film covered in oh, here man. as well. Um, some other movies and TV shows that I wasn't aware of. One of which is called Hawk Jones, that's this really cool, um, um gangster movie that With stars kids. only children. I think I sent you the you trailer, you did send me a trailer,
0: and I decided I really wanted to see it. Yeah,
1: so it's, it's like this, um, it's like The Godfather or something, but it's Everyone's played by kids yeah, From like the The like cops To like the um, You know The the overlord The mafia overlord And they're like Shooting each other and That's stuff. kind
0: of like that um, Bugsy Malone movie From the Exactly Late totally 70s like With Jodie Foster And uh, Scott Baio Where they played like the, the famous gang Mobsters and stuff like that
1: Yeah so that was that was one cool thing that I, I saw about it, uh, or that I read about in this book. Um, it also covers the peanut butter solution. I remember that. I don't remember that. Well, I know the movie, but I don't remember seeing it, but it talks about how it scarred a lot of kids. Yeah, I remember that because it
0: made people's hair fall out, and there's nothing more frightening to a child than being bald, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um, it also talks about a movie called The Children of Times Square by um, Curtis Hansen. I've seen that.
0: Sounds like a great movie. Yeah, I um, don't remember it, but uh, much of it, but I have seen it.
1: Yeah. Robin Bougie from Cinema Sewer wrote the article about that. Oh, okay. It's a really well done article. Um, also, Chris Alexander from Fangoria did did an article in here. Um, so it covers all kinds of stuff. Um, it also covers. Um, uh, 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 Italian actress um, Nicolette Elmi who was in um, she was in Demons she was the girl with the long red hair in Demons that was sort of enticing okay. people into the movie theater yep, yep. and she'd been in a lot of Italian horror movies um, before Demons as a child actor so um, it was kind of cool to read her story so um, yeah it's real- oh, and also has the original Jacob Tutu um, as an adult they do an interview with him my question for you is is Hilarious House of Frightenstein covered in that Hilarious book? Hilarious House of Frightenstein is not covered in this book. This is bullshit. <laughs> but it's really cool. I, I'd highly recommend this. It's a really well put together. It's kind of a digest size book, but it's a lot of pictures. It's really well done. Uh, it was edited by Kayla Janice, who... Um, wrote a book last year called The House of Psychotic Women that got a lot of really good press. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of an, like a kind of biography that ties her life in with film. Right. That's really quite a beautiful book. Um, and she uh, she had also worked for Alamo Draft House, and she had done a film festival in Vancouver here. She's done a lot of cool stuff in, in the world of film. And uh, it's also um, co-edited by Paul Korup. Um, he writes for uh, Rumorg, and he's kind of an expert on con-exploitation. Yep. Um, anyway, I really recommend this. How it's can I re- get it? It's a really cool book. Um, you can get it by going to their website. It's um, www.spectacularoptical.ca okay and check it out there and um, I, I got it when they were doing a kickstarter to get this going but I believe it's still available now and how, and m- how much is it going to set me back I think it was about 20 bucks or something not much at all and it's a nice looking book nice I, looking book I, I, and I skimmed well through put it together. yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of it's good reading and um, yeah, I think they're going to be doing their, I think their next book, um, I don't know if this is confirmed, but I think it's going to be about the Satanic Panic, which would be really cool. Now, really is, cool that, subject uh, is
0: that like supposed to be sort of a ninja star on the cover? Or what is that supposed to be?
1: This thing? I don't know. It's just like a kind of a collage. And there's a child power, the one of the uh, people from uh, Jacob Tutu, who oh, okay. had fang on the cover there. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a nice, well done book. So I recommend it. Yeah, check that out. Yeah. So
0: um, that's all I got, so we can get right into that's it. all you got. So yeah. let's hit our topic here. We figured because this episode is going online around December 19th that we would hit some Christmas movies, but we didn't want to hit the standard Christmas movies. We didn't want to do, you know, A Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, all those, you know, the well-known stuff. So we decided we would hit lesser-known movies. And like subgenres of Christmas movies. So what I was thinking of doing, and I don't know if Josh and I discussed this, but we weren't sure if we wanted to do it, is we wanted... To, I was going to separate it into three categories. Did you still want to do that? Yeah, we might as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to hit the horror movie ones, we're going to hit the comedies, and then we'll hit the other, which would be, you know, the family movies or movies that are not classified as either a comedy or a horror. I think what we wanted to do was start with the other category and then do horror last, because I think horror is the one that we have the most of to talk yeah, about here for sure so let's start with the other category um the first movie i'm going to bring up for that category that i wrote down is called santa claus the movie <laughs> from 1985 which i'm still i've been trying to get josh to watch this recently i you know i keep bugging you about this movie i did watch the trailer last did night you? and
1: it looks pretty messed up
0: so it what it is is it's a typical 80s commute consumerism plight thing where um john lithgow plays a toy He's like a like a conglomerate. Yeah, he's like, like, like a, a corporate guy. Yeah, he's like a corporate guy, and he wants to take over Christmas. He's this toy manufacturer, and Dudley Moore plays this elf called Patch, who wants to, who decides to help out John Lithgow's character, and and you know it's not going to go well because any time that commercialism is brought into Christmas, things get fucked up. So it's basically <laughs> Dudley Moore Patch has to try and save Christmas because. It's going to be ruined otherwise. And it's interesting because it was a big budgeted movie. It was budgeted at about $40 million at it the time. It looked big budget, yeah. And it's it kind of trying to do the history of Santa Claus, of St. Nicholas, but in a weird kind of family movie way with little dark undertones to it, yeah. which it was directed by Genard Schwartz, who did uh, Jaws 2 and Bug for William Castle, and he did Supergirl. Yeah. He did Supergirl the year before Santa Claus because it's from the same producers as the Superman movies, the Sal kinds. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's why Santa Claus exists. And I think it's funny because it's, it's got a lot of cool production design to it. And it's just not a good movie. There's just something about it that compels me to watch it. Even though I know it's, there's something like I know it's not a good movie, but John Lithgow goes so over the top in it.
1: Yeah, John and, Lithgow from from the trailer. I mean, that's all I've seen. Yeah. But John Lithgow looks like he's did that kind of peeking. Yeah. And but Dudley Moore man, I just always want to kick him.
0: Isn't that know, a weird decision like, as rest an in elf, peace, Dudley? But you know, it's a weird decision for an elf, isn't it?
1: Well, and I just I've never found the guy to be appealing.
0: I kind of expected him to be stumbling around drunk like Arthur <laughs> Arthur through the whole movie, right? Yeah. But yeah, Dudley Moore, he's. He is that kind of guy where he's just, he's weird. Look, he's like the kind of guy who would get bullied on the schoolyard, but he managed to get this film career. I, I mean, know.
1: It's like Martin Freeman is like Dudley Moore if he was cool. That's that's <laughs> what I always think. But I mean, <laughs> wasn't Dudley Moore in 10? Yeah, but that doesn't make... Ten's awesome. Well, Ten's awesome because Bo Derek's hot. Well, I guess so.
0: But <laughs> the movie was a big bomb when it came out. It didn't even make back its budget. Wow, but it's now sort of becoming a cult classic at around Christmas time, and it
1: was—I can see it. Yeah, I I can understand that. Yeah, it was just put out
0: on Blu-ray by Anchor Bay. Really? Like a 25th Blu-ray? Yeah, it's like a 25th anniversary edition a couple years ago, and it's so weird. It's—it's probably the most. Well, I'm not gonna say it's the most bizarre Christmas movie we're gonna mention today, but it's pretty up there. Yeah, it looked
1: like it would be a real,
0: real trip. So if you're into that kind of like seeing how the 80s kind of corrupted Christmas, I'd say watch Santa Claus movie. Do you think this... I wonder if this has become like a stoner
1: movie, because that's what I was getting out of it when I was watching the trailer. I would think maybe. I was like, this is a stoner movie. I'm
0: not a stoner myself, but I could assume that if I was, I might enjoy this because it's got the trippy (laughs) colors and it's just big budget, weird production values of sleighs going through the air with these glitter trails behind them and the workshop with all the crazy toys and everything and... (laughs) I don't know. It's it's bizarre, bizarre.
1: Yeah, it looked pretty bizarre. Oh. all right. So um, I guess I'll, I guess I'll start off with um, the probably the, the best one I can think of here in a weird way, but um, that the, would be the Star Wars holiday special. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> not even a movie. <laughs> it's not a movie, but it's definitely Christmas. And you know, when else are we going to talk about the Star Wars, Star Wars holiday special? Have you seen it? You've never seen it. I've never seen it.
0: I wow. have my mouth full.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, it is, it is something to see. I gotta say. Um, so the premise is that Han and um, Chewie. By the way, thanks for like asking me a
0: question when I have my mouth stuffed well, with you a shortbread. Well, should be eating cookie. while it's we're doing podcast. It's Christmas. <laughs> I'm being Christmassy. <laughs> I know, but anyway.
1: <laughs> so it's Han and Chewie are trying to get Chewbacca back to his home planet. For life day, and uh, so Chewie can be reunited with his—is uh, that like Earth Day? With his family? No, it's like Christmas. They run around turning off lights and shit. No, life day. <laughs> life day. Like not death. So they go. you get. They go back to Chewie's planet, and they meet uh, where we get to meet uh, Chewie's dad, Itchy, <laughs> and his wife Mala, and his son Lump, son Lumpy. Oh, now God. one thing i, I it's the, like the three bears the one thing i remember about this movie because they're on chewy planet wookie planet is all none of the wookiees obviously speak english so a great deal of this movie is just wookiees talking to so each it's like <laughs> rah, 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 <laughs> for an hour and a <laughs> half it's so weird so there's all this like wookiee talk huh. while like Chewie's like hanging out with his family do
0: they at least subtitle it no. Oh, for fuck's it's sake! It's
1: totally bizarre. <laughs> so this thing—if you don't know what this is—this is a weird TV special that came out in 1978, and George Lucas is pretty much—he's disowned it. Like he doesn't even talk. Stop eating. So he doesn't uh, doesn't talk. Um, won't 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 recognize this. It's never come out on disc. It's never come out on VHS. It never will. I don't know, man. If he was smart, he put this shit out because it would make money. But um, and he, and he should. I mean, but again, like Lucas,
0: just for whatever. I think we, it's one of those Phantom Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park things where they're so embarrassed by it they don't want it to come out. I know, but it should come out anyway. It's so
1: so Lucas has just owned it. So this thing aired, I think, a couple of times, maybe even only once. The only way you can see it is if you happen to get a copy somewhere of a of. Of a copy that someone had, where someone had taped the original
0: play, and we're talking in the days so when VC, VCRs out. weren't that like commonplace either. So yeah. there probably is not a lot of copies out there. It's not. did not it, it aired in like seventy eight or seventy
1: nine? Seventy eight. But it's it's super weird. It's got like so. In addition to the chewy stuff, there's this. There's an animated portion that introduced Boba Fett. So this is was like the first appearance of Boba Fett was in this like animated portion. Like what kind of animation? Of like
0: Hanna Barbera level?
1: Yeah, like yeah, really exactly like Scooby Doo. Well, I don't I don't really remember. I just know there's this animated oh, portion that introduced Boba Fett. This sounds like a train wreck. It's got B. Arthur is in it.
0: Fucking awesome.
1: Art, <laughs> Art Carney is in it. Harvey Korman's in it, <laughs> and he's like this dude, and he like has this hole in the top of his head, and he like pours like drinks into this f- hole. What the hell is this? <laughs> Jefferson Starshipper in it without Grace Slick, and they oh, do a song. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Um- then there, there's one point where they're like, you know, the end of Star Wars where they're like at the victory ceremony. Yep, yep. Well, they're at like kind of like the victory ceremony and then Leia sings a song. Like Carrie Fisher? Yeah. Did they actually get Carrie Fisher? Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Bar Cavill. Jesus Christ. Peter Mayhew's playing Chewbacca. What the hell? R2-D2, C-3PO are both in it. My God. It's so weird. And What then, song does she and sing? The, it's like this... Well, I don't, I'm not going to sing it. It's definitely catchy, though, but it's tart. Why aren't terrible. you going
2: to
0: sing it?
1: <laughs> just, couple, just a
0: couple I lines. I don't remember the oh, lyrics. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, I'm not Carrie Fisher. Anyway, well, um, if you
0: were, you'd be drunk in a hallway somewhere. <laughs> <anyway.
1: Ooh. laughs> oh, snap. I'm sorry, Carrie. We love you, especially yeah. in Return of the Jedi.
0: Especially <laughs> 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 in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: No, but it's just, yeah, the, the, the song's just bizarre the whole thing's really just bizarre and um yeah I mean oh and there's also this really weird homoerotic undertone between Han and Chewie like yeah it's and it's Harrison Ford and he's like got makeup on like obvious like it's it's so fucking. Well, up. it was the and se- like you you kind of feel like there's something going on with what, Hannah. What,
0: well, you know it was the 70s and <laughs> Harry Bush was okay back then.
1: It still should be okay now. <laughs> oh, did I just say that? I here? think you did. <laughs>
0: but yeah, that that kind of reminds me. If you ever seen the um the He-Man she-ra Christmas special?
1: No, but I read about it. Oh
0: man, I saw that at uh when I was at Walmart recently <laughs> getting some stuff, and I almost bought it because that is almost as bizarre. Really that's cool. like Orko. You haven't seen
1: this shit, man. You don't know. Uh, that's
0: like Orco trying to learn the meaning of Christmas <laughs> or something along those lines. And it, I remember watching it a couple of years ago with some friends and thinking... This is one of the craziest Christmas things I've ever seen, but I think you may have topped it. This is the craziest Christmas thing I've ever seen. I, I'm sc- I'm scared for myself to watch this. I, I,
1: I'll put a clip up on the Facebook page oh or something, man, but man.
0: it's I'll put the song up because I know you can see that on YouTube. Get that song, learn the lyrics. <laughs> I want you to come back episode ten and sing me it with your lovely voice.
1: I will try, but I really wish Lucas would. I really wish they'd put this out. I mean it. It it really it's a it, it's a total. I, I would watch this every but, Christmas. But look
0: at it this way, man. Lucas won't even freaking release the original versions of the, the first three, without his stupid enhancements and new effects and everything. I get it. What makes you think he's going to do the Christmas holiday special?
1: I know it's just I could see if no one knew about this, but a lot of Star Wars. Well, fandom, it. I knew about this. About it. It. I'm not so like cut the fucking thing out. I'm not get like off a your huge. fucking high horse, George <laughs> Lucas. And I'm tired of this shit, man. <laughs>
0: For crying out loud! <laughs> get off your fat ass from Skywalker Ranch and put that fucking thing on DVD. How hard can it be to give it to somebody to master? there's it it? a fucking special feature for crying out loud? Like for God's sake, man! Get over
1: yourself. No one cares, man. You don't even fucking direct anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know just this shit just I don't know. oh Whatever. shit anyway oh. just you, on on the on you've the, been served George
0: Lucas <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ
1: <laughs> on the TV special thing this also compelled me to I don't know why but I started watching YouTube videos of Osmond family Christmas isn't it
2: not it funny <laughs> how, <laughs> how you're
1: researching
0: and then all of a sudden you get on these tangents I on YouTube
1: watching the fucking Osmonds and it was some weird as shit too the well, well, 70s the, were
0: weird man I, I, always thought, I always thought the Osmonds had a weird incest vibe going to them in the first place, well, being Mormons and everything, right? <laughs> Actually, if you really want to see some weird shit, go on YouTube and type in Osmond
1: Star Wars. What? Yeah, dude. What is that? <laughs> There's, like, Star Wars characters and I think... I can't remember... 3PO and and R2 for sure Dancing around with Donnie and Marie Is this
0: an (laughs) official clip Or someone just mashed them up
1: No man it was like from a special The Osmonds had some weird specials Anyway I just wanted to throw in the Osmonds Because If you want to like, <laughs> if you're into I think weird. I'm a bit loopy last night because of watching between a Star Wars Christmas special and Osmonds. I'm all messed up today. Oh man! But anyway, that's okay. Why. Anyway, <laughs>
0: let's let's get to something a little darker. I'm now. not sorry, George. <laughs> Let, yeah, fuck you. Now let's get to something a little bit darker here. Let's talk about Batman Returns quickly. All right, that Tim Burton sequel, 1992 okay. sequel. What's that got to do with Christmas? It's set at Christmas. Okay, and it's a very dark Christmas. I just remember there's a lot of snow in it. There's a lot of Christmas celebrations, but it's all ruined by Danny DeVito as the penguin and uh, M- Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman.
2: Oh, yeah, okay.
0: And also Christopher Walken playing this like huge businessman who's also teamed up with them to try and take over Gotham for his own. I just remember there's a really dark Christmassy tone to it. It's very dar- grim, lots of snow. It's like if you loved Tim Burton's original Batman movie, this was totally not like that. I kind of compare it to be... Like the band Faith No More, right? Right. This is a weird analogy, but stick with me on this. Their album, The Real Thing, which had that song Epic on it, which was their big hit. Ugh, the yeah. Guy, you wow. Yeah. it Anyway, they created, did an album three years later called Angel Dust. Yes. Surprisingly, these both came out the same year as the Batman movie, 89, 92. Angel Dust was the movie that showed who the real Faith No More fans were. Because it was the people who like the people who liked that commercial side of that last album hated Angel Dust, and it's kind of oh, okay. that way with Batman and Batman Returns. I feel like I loved Batman when it came out; I was fourteen, right? So of course I loved it, right? But then Batman Returns comes out, and it has so much grim grittiness to it that I was I prefer that. Yeah, I, I definitely like Batman like, Returns. I prefer better. Batman Returns to Batman, and I just think that it being set around Christmas kind of adds it that it's got that it's got a Christmas parade. Where the penguin sends his henchmen, which are like these little small guys, and they <laughs> okay. ruin the parade. I mean, it's pretty epic. For well, it's I haven't not,
1: seen it since like it came out. I got I got to rewatch those. Bird it's not and like Batman a total
0: is. Christmas movie, but it's got enough Christmas in it that I thought I should bring it up.
1: So was was um, Angel Dust your
0: favorite Faith No More album? It still is, man. Really, Angel Dust is my favorite album of the nineties. I like that.
1: I like King for a Day. Fool a for a Day life, is good, but Angel
0: yeah. Dust is the one where they really went crazy and yeah, it's, experimented. It's a, yeah, and fucking... I just heard their new song, Motherfucker yeah i I can't wait for that album next year i don't know it's kind of like the song is kind of like it sounds kind of like mike patton's trying to do his band tomahawk with faith no more backing him right but i'm still excited for the album don't get me wrong
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah because even even uh album of the year which was their last album in 97 was really good but this has nothing to do with christmas well, so yeah. So why don't you move on and tell us what's next on the agenda? And hopefully, I don't think you can top that. <laughs> I don't think you can top the the George Lucas thing. But let's let's try.
1: Well, I, maybe I can. Um, I don't think I can. But I just I actually thought of this just just a few minutes ago when we were starting. When um, we were talking about Christmas movies, um, that's what we're talking about. Um, I thought I'd bring up the uh, Jesus Chainsaw Massacre, aka the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what Sorry, they call Christians? It? Is that what they call it? The Jesus Chainsaw. That's Massacre? That's what I call it.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ! I have not. <laughs> have you lo- seen that? Movie? No, it's fucked up. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you why I haven't seen it, and this isn't going to get I said me any fucked fans. Up a lot. Oop! I just this, said it again. this isn't going to get me any fans, but I'm atheist, so that's why I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Really? But, yeah.
1: We should watch it just for the effects, man,
0: because it's a gore fest. Yeah. So tell me about it. Well, it's just about Jesus going. To well, I get know crucified. the basic of it, but. That's what the whole movie is. Two and a half hours of him going to get crucified. Pretty much. And wasn't this directed by Mel, Mel Gibson? Mel
1: Gibson, yeah. Why, well, that's weird. I saw it in the theaters. Really? Yeah, because I, I heard how gory it was, and I wanted to go check it out. So at the <laughs> end, does
0: Jesus, like, swing a cross over his head, like Leatherface, going... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a messed up movie. It's like a it's like a torture movie. Wasn't it, like, a yeah. huge friggin' hit, too? It was. like, And I don't get it. Like, that's weird, because you always hear, like christian people and and all that attacking us horror fans for our movies exactly and then this movie comes out and it's gorier than anything it's gorier than hostile it's, it's gorier, so disturbing know. and it's, it's probably the yeah. gore level of cannibal holocaust right
1: it's yeah well different yeah, kind of gore different kind but of you know gore. what i mean right well, it's just a lot of like whipping and yeah beating and yeah so it's so it's more brutal roots. than most
0: horror movies but christians will not It's just except horror movies. It's It's weird.
1: It's just hard. It's like basically he's walking up this hill for like the last hour of the movie, dragging a crucifix and getting whipped. Hmm.
0: Like it's 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 intense. Doesn't sound very entertaining.
1: It's not very entertaining. (laughs) Again, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know why people were flocking to this movie I mean I think I'm I'm imagining religious people were trying to connect with Christ probably but um, and try and connect with what he went through and I think that's what Gibson was going for with the movie but just from a yeah, like from from a horror fan's
0: perspective, it's pretty messed up. I think Gibson's an interesting cat for directing, though, because he also made that apocalyptico movie. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that movie, and that, that was movie. pretty good. It was about the May- Mayans and it had a lot of torture and beheadings in it too. So he's kind of a little messed up. Didn't I he think. like make up a language for that, or or was it all like? I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure if it was a new language he made up, or if he was just trying to emulate an old language, or what the deal was. It was actually kind of an action movie. Yeah, I, I wanted way. to see that. And I. risky I, move for him. I like, did kind wow. of dig it. I admit it. Yeah. And I'm kind of. Well, he made mm, fucking Braveheart, man. That's an awesome movie. Well, yeah, Braveheart's the yeah. best. Like Braveheart in, is. I'm going to admit this on, on the air. Braveheart is one of the few movies that has made me cry. Oh, you cried in Braveheart? I cried at Braveheart. Aww. I know. And I never. Do you want a hug? Yeah. No. Put down your mic and come <laughs> give me a backwards hug. No. Ew. Ew. But um, Braveheart made me cry. And it was the scene where I'm not he chewy to your hand, buddy. No, no, no. It was <laughs> it, the the scene in Braveheart that made me cry. Was the scene where he was about to be killed, like in that's in the square, and he sees the ghost of his wife out oh, in yeah. the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And that was really emotional to me, and I don't know why. I think it's because what he went through in that movie was just so intense, and yeah, just the freedom fighting in that movie and everything was just. I mean, that's definitely Mel Gibson's pinnacle. Yeah. Apart from Mad Max. That's his pinnacle. Mel Gibson was... He's made a lot of Mel really Mel Gibson cool was shit. really cool. Lethal Too Weapon. Bad. Too re- bad. he's gone off the rails. I don't know. I haven't seen any of his new stuff. Like, I heard the Beaver is pretty good. You saw Machete Kills. Well, yeah, and I hated it. <laughs> yeah, but that's but besides Gibson, the point. Mel Gibson was pretty good in it. He was well, pretty funny. He was pretty good. And he's supposed to be pretty good in the Expendables 3, <laughs> mm. which, of course, was PG-13 in theaters, but unrated on Blu-ray. Oh, <sighs> that peeve. Anyway what were we talking about? You were talking about Passion of the Christ here. Oh, yeah,
1: Passion of the Christ, a.k.a. the Jesus Chainsaw Massacre. And that's
0: all you have to say about it? That's pretty much all I got to say. Do you have any other movies that are not comedy or horror? Because I really don't.
1: Well, I mean, just well, you know, while talking about the Passion of the Christ, I mean, there is a lot of religious movies that came out. I don't really want to get into a lot of them, other than you know, like the Ten Commandments and Spartacus. So that's not really, yeah, those are kind of the mainstream Ben-Hur. ones. I mean, I used to love of... Ben Hur when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they're remaking that. Like with weird. who? I can't remember. Hmm. They got announced recently. It's kind of a bad idea. Stupid. Like that shit's not gonna sell.
0: I can understand them remaking shit like. Last House on the Left or, you know, something like that, but not fucking Ben-Hur. And
1: Ben-Hur, the original, is still pretty awesome. I know it is. It's got lepers in
0: it, dude. That'd be like if they did Spartacus (laughs) or... That'd be like if they remade Lawrence of Arabia. You just don't do that stuff. Yeah. Like... Well, they did Spartacus with the TV show, but that was like... Well, that was not really a remake. That was just taking the character and spinning it off, and that's fine. Yeah. But if you're taking that classic, like, Spartacus, you know, or... Even if they were to remake *Bridge on River Kwai* or something yeah, like just that, yeah, some movies are just Like even *The Great Escape*, they made TV sequels to *The Great Escape*. Yeah, but I would still be upset if they tried to remake *The Great Escape*. That would be stupid. Because like you know, Steve McQueen is awesome in it. Yeah, would have that fucking guy. Charles Bronson we'd is have awesome. That poor guy. He'd be yeah. in it. Donald Pleasance. <laughs> I mean, come on. The the Great Escape Hemsworth? With, yeah, with Fuck with, him Hemsworth. Yeah. yeah, no, no. He thanks. totally would be the guy. Oh god damn it. <laughs> Why do you have to do this to me? Now I'm gonna know. have dreams of Great Escape with Hemsworth and I'm going and then I'll just have to think about like Han Solo jerking off Chewie or something to me <laughs> oh. to get it out of my head. That's even a better image than that.
1: <laughs> i wonder if chewy's first sticky it <laughs> <laughs> will be once han's done with him oh no All right. big <laughs> snoop dog oh.
0: edit edit, no edit. edit for we the don't edit time. we don't do yeah, that yeah, yeah. okay I, that's it for the jesus channel. so you don't have any other non-comedy or horror
1: well i did want to bring up just in case it becomes a cult hit uh, Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever is coming
0: up. I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> it was filmed like 20 minutes from my house. <laughs> I know. A friend of mine worked on it. He met
1: Grumpy Cat. Can you
0: believe that? Well, really, I'm sure that was a stimulating fucking <laughs> conversation right there. Hey, Grumpy Cat, what's going on? <laughs> Meow. Oh, great. How are you doing today? Meow. Do you want a sandwich? Meow. Come on. Okay, Why so did they make this? What
1: is the? What were the segments...
0: Horror, comedy, and other.
1: Okay, the only other thing I'd I'd like to bring up is just you know because because I grew up on them the Rankin Bass um, holiday specials. Well, because they're awesome. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. So my favorite was Rudolph.
0: What was yours? Rudolph. Yeah, for sure. I also liked Jack Frost though. Did you? Yeah, Jack Frost was kind of fun. Yeah, but I mean they had so many good Nestle, ones. Nestor the long-eared Christmas donkey. Yeah, I haven't. Seen, I'm not familiar as familiar with that one as the other ones because they don't play that one as much.
1: I just thought of that because I saw the Rudolph was playing. Didn't at the mall Rankin? Last night.
0: Didn't Rankin Bass also do Mad Mar- Mad Monster I if it's Party? Bass or Bass? Did they do Mad Monster Party too? Did they? they might have. Yeah. Which is amazing.
1: Yeah, because it was all that that uh, sort of claymation. stop type motion
0: Yeah, stop motion, claymation so. kind of thing. Yeah, those are great. If everyone's seen them. Yeah. So if you haven't seen them, I think you may have been living under a rock. <laughs> Should we move on to comedy then?
1: Um, well, the only other non-comedy just does in Pat. Now,
0: yeah, move on. Yeah don't want to bring up Die Hard? I was going to bring up Die Hard. But, <laughs> See, but yeah, I, it's just so fucking I, obvious. I kind of know how his wheels are turning over there. i just looking at him, I'm like, he wants to bring up Die Hard. I didn't, well, really, I yeah. didn't really write down Die Hard because I didn't want to do it because it's a mainstream kind of movie. Yeah. And it's really just set around Christmas time. It's not yeah. really a Christmas movie. Yeah. But it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, Die Hard is definitely John McTiernan. Die Hard 2 was around Christmas too, I think. Yeah, so it was, yeah. yeah. But Die Hard, John McTiernan hit gold. He also made Predator the year before, so he was pretty awesome back then. He
1: was pretty awesome. But let's move He's on not to...
0: doing so awesome now. No, let's move on to comedy. <laughs> okay. Um, the first one I wrote down for comedy is Scrooged from 1988 with Bill Murray. Right. Which is a takeoff of uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol, obviously. Yeah. And uh, Bill Murray plays a asshole TV executive... And it's kind of deals with the 80s excess. So he's a jerk off to everybody. He's just, you know, he's just not a nice person. And he ends up getting visited by the ghosts of Christmas, like the three ghosts of Christmas. There's Carol Kane plays one. And she has that awesome line in it where she's, she's kind of like a fairy type. And she's like, look, it's a toaster. And hits him <laughs> in the face with a toaster. And David Johansson from New York Dolls plays yes. one of the ghosts as well. And he's like a chain smoking cab driver. Yeah, he is cool. And then the third ghost is. The Grim Reaper, death, and I remember a cool scene where he, he's on an elevator with Bill Murray, and he's towering over Bill Murray, and he's like seven feet tall, and he opens up his chest, and in his ribs are all these screaming faces and everything. Oh yeah, I remember and, that. You know, there was it was just it was a cool movie, and uh, it was directed by Richard Donner, yeah. who made Superman two and Lost Boy, not Lost Boy, sorry, Superman two and Superman the one, Goonies and one, yes, and sort of did Superman too. and Goonies, yeah, and uh, Lethal Weapon, yeah. So he he made some good movies too, and but he didn't make Lost Boys. That was Joel Schumacher. I want to correct myself before Josh puts another correction notice up, but it won't have a Wendy's. Yeah, Where's some nerd's Beastly? gonna correct you on Superman too as well. I well, there's a Richard Donner cut out there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, he directed it, and it's it's just a fun movie, and I don't think it was very well received at the when it came out, but it's become kind of a cult movie over the years now. And, i remember that's the one i really identified with when i was young i mean it's bill murray and mm. even bill murray was even awesome in the 80s i mean yeah he comes off ghostbusters and then he's in scrooge he's in caddyshack he's in stripes yeah and i think he was perfect for the movie and I, it's one i haven't seen in a little bit but i did just buy it on blu-ray so i'm that's definitely one I'm revisiting this year.
1: Yeah, I, I've been thinking about revisiting it too because I haven't seen it in but at, I, at least I think, 10 years. I
0: thought I would bring it up because I just remember there was a whole bunch of cameos in it too. There was like Mary Lou Retton, the uh, Olympic gymnast playing Tiny Tim. Yo, <laughs> yeah. things like yeah, that. There was,
1: when I was looking this one up, I mean, there were so many people in it. Bobcat Goldswaite's in it. Yeah. I don't know who. To he's use. like
0: his assistant, his yeah. ne- his nebbish assistant who okay. gets picked on all the time. Right, right. Yeah, and Karen Allen's in it. Yeah, he's the. She's like the girlfriend, I think. Yeah. Or, you know, it's been a while, but I just remember that it's it is one of the movies growing up in the '80s that really was appealing to me. Yeah, and it's it's one that I am really looking forward to revisiting in the next week. Yeah, or it'll be two interesting here. to see if it holds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um so i'm gonna yeah, i guess i'll bring up another one that um just because i i don't it's another one i don't really understand why
0: people love it so much oh <laughs> so, so um josh doesn't understand a lot of movies people love i
1: don't i mean i know i'm just so anti-establishment
0: yeah um he's like the punk rock version of podcasting right here <laughs> why don't you go join doa or something uh, no mm-hmm. no
1: so what happened? Oh, on that note, uh, um, rest in peace, Brian yes. Goble. Yes. Yeah. I just
0: brought that up for a moment just because Vancouver, DOA.
1: Yeah. One of Vancouver. Vancouver lost a punk legend this mm-hmm. week. So, yeah. It's Brian Goble who was in uh, DOA and the Skulls and the Subhumans. Yep. And, uh,
0: yeah. They're all very important punk bands. Yeah. And they're all, and it's Vancouver based. So we're giving a shout out to you right
2: now.
1: Yeah. Um. Okay, so no, the, the one I'd like to talk about is A Christmas Story, because I just, um, I've tried, <laughs> I've tried, oh, no, Bob Clark, I love you, but I've tried, and I just can't I get into
0: it. I love it. Why? It has that appeal of being a kid, and everything being fantastical to you, and being just you just have such a positive outlook on life and ralphie in that movie has just this positive outlook on life through the whole movie and that narration by gene shepherd is just so whimsical and the thing is is that this is stuff that really happened to him cuz it's about it's based on his memoirs and stuff right who bob clark's no uh gene shepherd okay who the book's based off okay and uh so you know i just i just think it's a fun movie it's not like it's just one I like to watch. I I don't usually have it on in the background. I'm not usually paying super super close attention to it, but it's got such memorable stuff in it. It's got the the department store Santa kicking him down the giant slide when he's like, "You're taking too much time," and he kicks him down the slide. And you know the the double dog daring people to put their tongue on the on the frozen yeah, pole. That's all I remember. And that's stuff that we did as kids. Uh, we used to I, yeah. dare each other to do yeah. stupid shit all the time, right? Yeah. And then Zach. Uh, Zach Ward right. playing the the freckle-faced bully who gets his comeuppance. And Zach Ward went on to do, like, Postal with Uwe Ball, unfortunately. Was he the lead in that? Yeah, he was. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's just... It's a fun movie, and it's total cult movie. I mean, for sure. I mean, in that leg lamp. I mean, it's just got so much ridiculous, whimsical stuff in it, and it just captures the time frame. And I feel like it captures how that season felt to you as a kid really wasn't, well. Wasn't it said, was it said in the fifties or something? Fifties or sixties. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but it, it captures what it's like around Christmas time for when you're that age. Cause just the excitement of waiting for Christmas to come and asking for your favorite presents. Like I remember asking for like, a game for my Commodore sixty four back in the day, and and then waking up at three in the morning and going downstairs, and there it is, and fucking losing my shit. I mean, it just captures that. For moment Commodore sixty four, yeah, man, <laughs> awesome. international ice hockey. I remember to this day. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's it's it just captures that moment, and it's it's just I don't know. I'm still waiting for them to screen it somewhere so I can go. Hmm. I
1: well, mean, maybe I, it's time to revisit. Well, it. why
0: don't you like it?
1: I don't know. I just, I, I watched it a couple of times and
0: just made no impression whatsoever. But when's the last time you saw it? Yeah. 15 years ago. Well, see, maybe revisit it. Yeah. It's kind of become a cult figure in the last 15 years. Maybe. Just go into it with the notion that you have to look at it from a kind of like a, a child point of view, just like I that. I look at
1: everything from a child point of
0: view, dude. Well, you know, <laughs> you're a little stunted, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I'll bring up the uh, one of the lesser-known titles for comedy that I wrote down from 1994 called The Ref. The, starring... With Dennis Leary? With Dennis Leary cool. and Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis. I've always wanted to see this. And uh, it's about Dennis Leary, who was, at the time, he was a huge stand-up comedian success. He had that asshole song. Yeah. He had No Cure for Cancer, which is a great comedy album and great show if you ever want to pick that up. It's out on DVD. And... Um, He plays a cat burglar, and he breaks into this house, this Richie house, and while he's in there, the people come home, and that's Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis. They're this couple, but they fucking hate each other. So he takes them hostage, and basically the movie is him having to deal with this couple- arguing with each other the entire night and driving him crazy right he's always threatening them like i've got the gun shut up i'm gonna shoot you you know stop arguing i i he's he just is driven crazy by these people right and it's just set at christmas time and it's like christmas eve
2: is when he breaks into
0: the house and uh, i just remember that it's got a lot of that um lots of arguing and sniping at each other and things like that and oh, Kevin Spacey's like the best sniper well around. and then like <laughs> lots of witty lines it reminded me a lot of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf okay yeah the 1967 Mike Nichols movie yeah which is the same kind of a couple who are not happy with each other arguing with each other while this other couple watches on kind of deal right and Kevin Spacey's awesome when yeah. he plays the prick. That was when he was peaking. Yeah. yeah, when he plays that prick thing, he's awesome yeah. cuz he was in that uh Swimming with Swimming Sharks, with sharks yeah. and he plays a very similar so kind of character yeah. and Swimming with Sharks is like one of my favorite 90s comedies yeah. that no one really knows. Yeah. And uh I just thought The Ref was a fun movie. I I really want to revisit it cuz it's been a while. Yeah, I'd like to check but that out
1: too. it's really
0: good. I mean I love
1: Dennis Leary. Like he's so good in Rescue Me. I wish he'd uh I'm kind of bummed that he's not in anything coming out. Well,
0: yeah, and he was also in a movie with Christopher Walken called Suicide Kings in oh, the yeah, 90s. Yeah. That was pretty good. I just yeah. feel that he has... For a guy who's like a comedian, he's like a loudmouth in a way. He's got that reputation for being a chain-smoking loudmouth. Yeah. He's actually really good as an actor, too.
1: Oh, yeah. like He, he carried that whole series. That, that, that's one of my favorite series.
0: He's not like one of those comedians who just can't transition. No. And he's actually done a really good job. And I thought The Ref was a lot of fun when I saw it. And I was when we were thinking about the topic I was like well what's a christmas movie that's a comedy and for some reason that movie just popped in my head instantly wow and i mean it's just got those memorable being tied to a chair and fighting each other judy davis and thing and just dennis leary always being like i can shoot you. <laughs> and and you know it's just it's fun it's oh, i can it's, totally picture him it's kind of <laughs> like a, it's kind of like a black comedy and that's why i like it
1: nice um, well, I don't know if I... Uh, I don't think I have a lot more comedies. It looks like everything else on my list here is horror.
0: I have two that I can quickly do before we move on to horror sure. if you have nothing. Yeah, let's do it. Um, the first one I'm going to mention is Ernest Saves Christmas.
1: Oh, yeah. I wrote that down, but I haven't seen it. So, well, I,
0: have you have you watched all the Ernest movies? I've seen all of them except for... Wow, why? The, well, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I suppose. <laughs> I saw Ernest Goes to Camp in theaters in 1987, man.
1: I've, I've never, ever understood the appeal of these. So I guess maybe maybe because I didn't like well, the Christmas story, I don't like Ernest. I can try
0: explain it to you a little sure, bit. Sure, do it. Well, in 1987, when I was 12, my family was on a houseboating trip in the summer. And, you know, you'd go through, this is when I lived in Ontario, and there's a lot of lakes and things like that and rivers that you go through on the houseboat. And we'd stopped in a small town and we went to a movie and it was Ernest Saves, or sorry, Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> and he was he's kind of like a dumbass but he's harmless. Is he Canadian? Is it a Canadian? No, thing? Jim Varney's not Canadian. Wow. But he's he's kind of harmless and he's a you know, but he he's a nitwit but he's got his heart in the right place. And Ernest goes to Camp was kind of just like a summer camp movie that was goofy and you know, slapsticky and just silly. But I really liked it. So when Ernest Saves Christmas came out, and went saw it and it's it's him playing this character again, Ernest P. Worrell, who is Brought by... Didn't he start as like a, com- in a yeah, commercial? Yeah, he was in commercials, and yeah. then he had a TV show called Hey, Vern, It's Ernest. Okay. And then it became these movies. And uh, in Ernest Saves Christmas, he has to kind of help Santa to get a replacement, like a successor to him. But of course, there's going to be slapstick and all that craziness. And this is the last Ernest movie I actually liked. Okay. Because after that, he did Scared Stupid, goes to jail, goes to Africa, joins the army, all this fucking crap, right? But I mean... <laughs> Rest in peace, Jim Varney. Yes, but I mean, the Ernest character only has enough fuel in his tank for one or two movies. I, I couldn't think. imagine sitting through a movie of this guy. But and you know, it was it was funny, and in a way, it was yeah. juvenile. But I might throw it on once in a while just for shits and giggles. Why not?
1: Well, there you go, folks. I don't like Christmas Story or Ernest. So
0: well, Ernest, I don't think really <laughs> has much of a much of a, a fan base anyway.
1: Really? Well, they're
0: all on a DVD somehow. Well. Mm-hmm lots of stuff's on dvd somehow that i don't get why is there like 12 fucking air bud movies well for because they're for kids well so is Ernest. is he yeah okay anyway the only other comedy i have is <laughs> is called hebrew hammer that was awkward. hebrew hammer
1: oh yeah I, yeah i want to see this one
0: it's uh adam goldberg plays a kind of a jewish version of shaft so it's really? Like, it's called Hebrew Hammer and yeah. he's Jewish? Yeah. He, yeah, Get out of town, right? And uh, he's kind of a Jewish... Adam j- Goldberg? Adam, get I out of, racist. Um, yeah. so anyway, <laughs> I didn't name the guy. He plays like a version of Shaft. And there's a lot of jokes about, you know, Jewish kind of jokes, which I'm not Jewish, so I, I don't get all of them. But there were a lot in there that were kind of funny. And uh, Andy Dick plays Santa's jerk-off son who is jerkoff is right, <laughs> who's actually trying to ruin Hanukkah because he doesn't believe in it. So it's up to the Hebrew Hammer to stop him, and it's kind of like Black Dynamite in a way because it's totally spoofing black exploitation movies. Black Dynamite's a lot better, mm-hmm. but I actually had a lot of fun with that movie with Hebrew Hammer for some reason. I don't know why. It looks fun. It's like eighty-five minutes, yeah. harmless, and I mean. I'm I'm Goldberg's in a lot of stuff if you look him up on IMDb, oh, yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's Andy Dick I can do without, but it's oh, kind of fun. Andy Dick, yeah. But that's all I got for comedy. You want to start us off on horror here, maybe? Okay,
1: horror. Wow, there's... This there's,
0: is a big one, of course.
1: There's so many Christmas horror movies. I mean, I guess that's kind of... I don't know why, but... It's well, because Christmas,
0: Christmas is joy to the world and fun and happy, but then... The horror movies are like, no, it's
2: not.
1: But surprisingly
0: enough, I mean, I was just trying to do a, a, a little
1: screening in a cafe of a Christmas horror movie. And I actually had kind of a hard time coming up with something to play. Because I I find a lot of the Christmas horror movies are kind of mean-spirited. Well, yeah, they are. Like, but there's just not a lot of, like, goofy Christmas horror well, movies. Well, the
0: one you showed was definitely goofy. Yeah,
1: so that's the one I'll bring up first. Okay. Um, And that's... um. That's uh, Jack Frost.
0: Not to be confused with the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. No,
1: definitely not. So this is from 1997, and it's um, directed by Michael Cooney, and um, it's a base. It's about a killer snowman. Oh, yeah. Um, this the serial killer is um, being called trans- Jack Frost. Ho ho. Oh yeah, called Jack Frost is being transported to prison. No, to be executed. To be executed yeah. at midnight on yeah.
0: Christmas around Christmas time. You're it's weird. Yeah. But yeah I, yeah it's and a little then, weird
1: then it's um' it's in the it, middle of a snowstorm, yeah, and the truck that the execution truck he's in um execution transport truck it's in a car accident with uh a, a genetic labs truck, yeah full of chemicals interesting and so, based, and jack frost um the the killer um gets uh the the, the chemical truck explodes and sprays chemicals all over him, yeah. he turns into kind of melts melds him with melts snow down and then melts with the snow and turns into this killer snowman. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's
0: pretty funny. I mean, he, he heads back to snowminton Whoa. <laughs> yeah. where the sheriff, <laughs> the there sheriff, is the guy yeah. who stopped him from yeah. his killing spree. And I guess he wants revenge. Yeah. But he has a total Freddy Krueger thing, isn't he?
1: He is. And, the the sheriff's, uh, yeah, just a sort of happy go lucky guy. And, but he's, well, he's kind of
0: haunted by the, yeah.
1: by Jack Frost. And, and the whole and, town's
0: happy go lucky. And yeah, but then Jack Frost shows up and starts a chilling and a killing.
1: <laughs> he does. And there's some pretty, pretty funny scenes here. Some pretty great kills. Yeah. Um, Shannon Elizabeth's in it. She gets, she gets it. uh she's taking a bath and Jack Frost comes into the shower and yep. basically kind of, rapes her in a way he has his way with her he has his way with her there's a
0: really awesome scene with some ornaments that I won't spoil for you that's an
1: awesome scene yeah and there's a really great uh, FBI agent that's like a total prick but he's just agent manners played so well um so it's a fun movie it's a lot funner than I remember it um we watched it with a small group and um I thought it came off quite well, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'd recommend checking it out if you haven't seen it. It's kind of hard to get now. The DVD's out of print, mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's a little difficult to get. Uh, there was a sequel made to it in 2000 called Jack Frost, The Return of the Killer Mutant Snowman, and it, yeah, it takes was, place on a not uh, good on an island paradise, which I don't understand how a, a snowman is going to be on a tropical island.
0: Well, but. I guess they found out somehow. But I, I just liked how he, after he killed everyone, he always had a one-liner, yeah, that were silly. I know there was the scene where they were um chasing him with hair dryers, yeah, to try and melt him, and then it comes unplugged, and he's like blow me before he kills (laughs) somebody. And uh, like you were saying that, that agent, that FBI agent played by Steven Mendel, he's really hilarious in it. And he has this good interplay with Kelly Jean Peters, who steals all these scenes. It's kind of like the dispatcher for the police station called Sally. Yeah. And they're always like playing on each other. And there's a scene in it where she's offering uh, the sheriff coffee and she pours the coffee into his mug, and then the FBI guy holds out his mug for the coffee, and she just clangs it against it like cheers, and then doesn't pour it for him and walks <laughs> away. She just treats him like a.
1: She's that chick that looks
0: like Adrian Barbo. Yeah, she right? looked like yeah. Adrian Barbo, yeah. but it was funny because she treats him like he's being a jerk to everyone, so she treats him like that, yeah. like you're not getting this. And I just thought it was funny. The special effects were by. Uh, Kenneth J. Kenneth Hall. Kenneth J. Hall. And he, did uh,
1: some of, like, he was involved with the special Yeah, effects. and so was
0: Screaming Mad George, yeah. who a lot of people will know for doing the effects in so- Brian Yesen's society.
1: Yeah, like some big, big names on the yeah, effects. Yeah, and Michael Cooney
0: one. actually went on and wrote uh, Identity right. with, with uh, John, John Cusack, Cusack and yeah. Ray Liotta, which was a, kind of a serial killer in a hotel movie yeah. that I really liked in the 2004. But I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I didn't realize till the day after we were watching it that the fact that Jack can melt... And then reform on the other side of a door and all that is the total takeoff of Terminator Two, right? Because that's what P- Robert Patrick's T one thousand does in that movie. Yeah. So that was kind of something that I was giggling about to myself, and I yeah. text Josh about. It. I'm like, dude, he's totally Terminator Two. <laughs> yeah. And it's just it's a fun little movie and a lot better than I was I remembered for Definitely, sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, another one that's kind of in that mold that we watched. We'll just briefly talk about <clears throat> how we started uh, before we watched Jack Frost. Josh showed what is my uh, yearly <laughs> r- yearly thing is a little movie, a little short movie called Treevenge. Yeah, awesome. from Jason Eisener, who directed Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, and it's a story of a loving story of trees who take revenge on humans for cutting them down yeah uh, it's about 15 minutes long 15 yeah, to 20 15 minutes, minutes long is, yeah. uh, josh pointed out to me when we watched it that the opening music is actually taken from cannibal holocaust i'm pretty
1: sure it is at least it sounds <laughs> it like
0: sounds it. like it might be and the trees do get their revenge in quite awesome ways I mean, yeah. there's a lot of cool gore in it, and it's funny. It's hilarious. It's got like the trees sort of sound like
1: Ewoks, yep. and there's like subtitles yep. saying like what what's what there's, what's going through their
0: little minds. Yeah, and...
1: why are you doing this to <laughs> us? <laughs> it's pretty great. I we don't want to really ruin it. Yeah, but I don't want to ruin it for you. You can find it pretty easily online. You can go on
0: YouTube and watch it. It's it's. I great. think he
1: might even have it on his website. I'm not sure about that, but
0: he might. But another one that's kind of comedic that I wrote down is Gremlins. And I know we weren't going to really do a lot of mainstream ones. Well, you can't really have a Christmas movie without Gremlins. We have to talk about Gremlins because it has some awesome creature effects by Chris Wallace. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Chris
1: Wallace who went on to do the Fly
0: movies. Yeah. yeah, And it's a lot of fun and it's got that morbid story that Phoebe Cates tells... Yeah, about her father being... like beings, so many kids, including myself. Yeah, like her father gets stuck in the chimney and dies oh dressed God, as Santa. Yeah. And, you know, this is the time when Phoebe Cates, to me, was like my ultimate crush. Yeah. Because she was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High in Paradise, which was the Blue Lagoon lock-off where she had that I'm bathing myself under a waterfall oh, scene. Oh, that was such an amazing scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it also had Zach Galligan. He was a lot of fun as yeah. the lead. I think his name was Billy.
1: But that scene, like the... the her story like that was just it was so, so morbid up. like like for a kids movie i mean it's just it's a show-stopping like depression
0: like well yeah especially when the movie is like has all these scenes of his mom barbecue like microwaving gremlins and putting them in the blender yeah. and then a scene where phoebe cates is at the uh the bar she works and the gremlins have taken it over and they do like flash dances and oh, yeah. poker and spinning on the fans and everything like for a movie that's that's determined to be slapstick and comedic that story is just like grinds it to this like what the hell is going on kind of halt in the middle and yeah i really think that that was a cool decision in a way because well it's certainly memorable it's definitely one of the things that sticks out for me all these years later and i watch gremlins a lot yeah i even like the sequel where they go to new york yeah which isn't set at christmas but i just wanted to Mention Gremlins, because we can't not mention Gremlins. And do we mention that Joe Dante directed it?
1: We can. Yeah, who's, you know, one of one of my favorite filmmakers.
0: Yeah, we love Joe Dante. Yeah,
1: and he- that's how Chris Wallace got the job, I think, cause Chris Wallace did the, some of the effects on Piranha. Oh, did he? So I think that's the uh, the connection there. And I uh, also wanted to just, trivia, did you know that Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo? I did. Yeah. You can't get me on that one. <laughs> that's pretty cool. But Man, yeah. Gizmo's so freaking cute. It's such a good movie. He's I mean, so cute. Yeah.
0: And then Stripe, he's so awesome. Yeah. I think I, I think if I wanted one as a pet, I'd have Stripe as a pet, even though my neighbors would probably hate me. <laughs> I'd just be like they'd be coming over, look what Stripe did to my dog. He eviscerated my dog. I'd just shrug. Them's the brakes. <laughs> what can I do? He's, yeah. I d I can't control Stripe. He's just he does his own thing. <laughs> you know, I but, just
1: and the the one the other thing I want to mention about Gremlins, I just think it has a really cool poster.
0: Well, yeah, but the the box one, the right? The box one, yeah, yeah. I think that's really And And, of course, that, that iconic thing like uh, the rules, right? Don't feed them after midnight. Don't get them wet. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, keep them away from bright light. And yeah. that was all above that on the poster. And when, I, when you see that poster when you're a kid, you're like, ooh, I wonder what's in that box. Yeah. I bet definitely. you this movie's going to be awesome. And it was awesome. And I think it's one of the movies that actually made them create a PG-13 rating. That and Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones yeah, and Temple I've, of Doom. Yeah, I've
1: heard different... I uh, Gremlins, I've definitely heard, was maybe the first PG-13, but I've heard that about a few movies. So I'm not 100% well, sure. Well, Gremlins what, was PG. Yeah.
0: But I think it's because of one Gremlins of the, okay, they created one of those ones that, the rating.
1: Yeah, they created the rating. Yeah. And I can understand that. I mean, I think, I think it might be a little... Pretty
0: intense it, movie. It might be a little much for someone under 13 it's pretty intense movie it's it's not
1: a kid's movie and
0: and yeah even today though those puppet effects hold up oh yeah they're still convincing as hell yeah and a lot of fun gremlins is like i hate to say it but because everyone thinks i'm morbid when they're like what do you watch for christmas and i'm like i watch (laughs) Treevenge, i watch gremlins and i watch silent night deadly night usually yeah and they're just like what's wrong with you why don't you watch it's a wonderful life or all that (laughs) i'm like well i've seen those and I just have more fun with gremlins. I, I, you know, I don't have to explain myself to you. You just go back and you watch your Holiday Inn and leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh
1: boy. Well, now that you have brought it up, why don't we? Why don't we talk about the Silent Night, Deadly Night
0: movies? Why don't we?
1: All right. Um, so the first one was directed by. So it came out in 1984. It was really controversial at the time because yeah. this movie, this was a movie based uh, pretty much showing this guy dressed up as Santa Claus on a killing spree.
0: Well, I think the thing was, too, is that they aired the commercials during Saturday morning cartoons as well. Oh, did they really? Yeah, I think that's (laughs) what the story goes. So, like, little kids are seeing this movie, and in the trailer it's got a guy dressed as Santa murdering people. So, I mean, all these parents lost their minds.
1: Oh, yeah. I I could see that. I didn't know about that. Actually,
0: I watched the movie about a week ago.
1: Oh, you've seen it recently? I've seen it
0: recently, and I, I feel that if it wasn't for that controversy... That movie might not be as well remembered now as it is.
1: Well, it's interesting like the thing I remember most, I mean it's the the movie opens with this little kid um out with his parents somewhere Yeah, they're think... heading
0: to they're heading to their grandma's for Christmas, like for New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve dinner, but they stop at a nursing home to um visit the grandpa who's apparently doesn't say anything and has been kind of comatose but they leave to do something and little Billy's left with them. and grandpa's like grabs him and is like Santa's gonna kill you if you're mean and blah and all this stuff which later in the evening comes true because a mugger stops them in the road dressed as Santa yeah, I totally rapes mom kills dad he hides it's a out fucked up scene and like, he gets he's screwed up right yeah so he ends up in an orphanage with his brother which it's has like. This,
1: weird nuns right yeah this
0: ball busting mother superior played by lillian chauvin right and she's just like she forces him to do stuff to get over this christmas like the santa claus thing like making him sit on santa's knee where he she punches him in the nose and (laughs) and breaks his nose and he ends up getting a job in a toy store when he's 18 which is like the worst the worst possible (laughs) fucking job you could give someone with a santa problem at christmas time is in a toy store right (laughs) So he ends up having being forced to play the Santa in the toy store. And he just he has all these weird moments where he has flashbacks to his mom being killed and the nuns and everything and he's just like grabbing in his head and he's like eventually he's like naughty naughty (laughs) because he's being told if you do bad things. So he sees people doing bad things at the Christmas party, like he sees one of his coworkers having sex and that sets him off, embeds a embeds a hammer in the one head, chops off some people and then goes on a killing spree. Yeah. And that Killing Spree is pretty awesome because it's got Linnea Quigley in it. That, and, I mean, yeah, obviously. I one of the hugely most... Hugely popular scenes. One of the most memorable scenes involving some antlers and a naked babysitter. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah,
1: she's naked for quite a bit in that yeah, scene. And yeah. an
0: awesome scene involving a sled and some bullies, which yeah. is worth mentioning. And it's just... It's weird because it's a standard slasher movie. There's nothing really that special about it when you're watching yeah. it. But it's still an entertaining time. And I feel like them throwing in the orphanage and the nuns just adds that kind of weird vibe to it as well. Yeah. And the guy who played Billy Robert Brian Wilson, isn't that good. No, but, I, I hated that. That's one reason I don't love this movie but a I lot can, more. Couldn't stand the kids. I do enjoy Johnica. him running around going punish, punish. <laughs> it drove me crazy. I mean, it was pretty fun. And I mean, it obviously did well enough that they made sequels. It
1: it did. I mean but it was terribly panned by critics. Oh, so, yeah. I mean Leonard Bolton hated it. There's a famous uh Siskel and Ebert where they like said everyone's name that was in the movie and then were like shame, shame <laughs> <laughs> But and um the um the the mom was played by tara buckman who was i don't know if you remember cannonball run yeah i love cannonball But you know the, the super hot blonde that's with adrian barbeau oh really that's her? that was the mom from oh, okay. Night deadly night yeah oh, okay the one that gets raped and the other thing that i thought was really interesting about this movie is that the director is the guy who created the grizzly adams yeah Like, popularized. I mean, Grizzly Adams was a real dude, but he's the one who popularized it. He wrote the novel. And and then, yeah, got the TV series and stuff going with Dan Haggerty. And
0: Dan Haggerty's going to kind of come up in a few minutes. But um, let's talk about the sequels. Well,. The sequels are funny because part two actually is probably almost as big a cult movie as part one. Yeah. And that's simply because they've rehashed about 45 minutes of footage from the yeah. first movie. Yeah, I remember In that. flashback scenes because it involves Billy's brother, Ricky. <laughs> and eventually, you know, he goes crazy and does his own little killing spree. But there's so much exhausting flashbacks in that movie that you're... You're kind of like, when's the real movie going to start here? Yeah. But it's got that famous scene in it that everyone goes on YouTube where he, there's this guy putting out garbage on his curb. And Billy, uh, Ricky walks up with his gun. He looks at him with this crazy look. He goes, garbage! Yay! And then he shoots him. <laughs> and there's like, there's these silly deaths and more nunnery craziness in it. And, I mean, it's it's bad yeah it's bad and then part three we talked elizabeth
1: Caton was in that right yeah which she she was a really
0: popular yeah, she's well, she's she's popular in my eyes
1: yeah we really liked her she was in uh assault of the killer bimbos and a bunch of the vice, vice academy, academy movies. movies yeah and she then took over for ginger Lynn, i think yeah yeah
0: and then in part three it was we've talked about it in the past because it's monty hellman directed yep. it and it was kind of interesting that was the last movie with a killer santa in that series actually and was that Ricky? Did Ricky return? I think it's Ricky because he's got... But he's he's now got a dome over his Bill over Mosley, his head that yeah. shows his brain and it's played by Bill Moseley. And it's, it's kind of a messed up one. And there's a psychic in it with this link to him, kind of like Friday the 13th Part 7 with the psychic link to the killer, mm-hmm. which seemed to be popular in the late 80s. Yeah. And um, not much more to say about it. I know the sequels, which were... Uh, produced by Brian Usna, part four he and directed five. directed part four and yeah, part Yeah, they're weird five. because the fourth one's kind of like a witch cult movie and then the fifth one's about Mickey Rooney being an evil toy maker who makes these toys that kill <laughs> children and they have nothing to do with the other ones and they really didn't have to be called Silent Night, Deadly Night but if you're going to cash in on name recognition you might as well, right?
1: I don't think I've ever seen those ones. I just, I wrote down that Screaming Mad George did the effects on both so I'm assuming
0: they maybe have some cool practical effects but... I don't really... I remember... The only thing I remember for practical effects was in part four. I think it's Clint Howard is in it. Yeah. Who we love. And I believe there's a scene where he spits up some maggoty creature or something like that. Okay. It's either him or another character spits up a maggoty creature. Right. And that's all I really remember about part four. I haven't seen those in in a while. Right. But I know that four and five have nothing to do with killer Santas. Right. And which makes them, I guess, interesting in their own way. Yeah. But it's kind of like those series like the curse movies where they made four of them and none of them were related to one another yeah and i mean unnecessary but i guess if if you can make more money tacking the name on it why not it
1: was a very popular thing to do back in the back in the day well it was so i mean that video boom
0: yeah silent night deadly night it's still kind of fun yeah Uh, i didn't love it on that killer santa vibe we'll talk about christmas evil okay aka you better watch out yeah and, and terror and toilet this, so I don't, I don't have a lot to say i haven't it. seen it but you yeah. can definitely borrow my uh, vinegar syndrome blu-ray once it shows up in the mailbox yeah
1: so oh, that shipped by the way
0: oh awesome yeah um it stars brandon Maggart, who as i mentioned before is the father of pop tartlet fiona apple oh yeah right and uh he's kind of like it's very psychological. Unlike Silent and Deadly Night, which goes for straight-out violence and everything, this movie's more psychological. You call Fiona Apple a pop tartlet? Pop tartlet. She's
1: not a fucking well, pop okay, tartlet. okay, indie pop tartlet. No,
0: she's cool, man. Well, whatever. You, I was <laughs> Leave just, her alone. Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't pop pick her...
1: Pop tartlet is like Britney Spears or something. Well,
0: she's a pop tartlet when she's in my bed. Let's put it that oh, way. Frick. Anyway... <laughs> okay. Um this is going off the rails. Uh, in Christmas Evil, he plays a guy who is sort of obsessed with Christmas and Santa because he sees his mom and dad dressed as Santa under the Christmas tree making out and he f- finds that to be like a bad thing. So as when he becomes an adult, he gets a job at a toy factory and he makes this list of naughty and nice people because he spies on the neighbor kids and everything, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, but he makes these books of naughty and nice of who's naughty, who's nice. And he ends up, you know, going around and th- distributing presents to people dressed as Santa who are on his nice list. But you're not, if you're on his naughty list, you know, things happen to you. And, wow. I mean, Brandon Magritte's character in it is messed up in the head. Um, it's very minimal violence compared to Saturday night, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. But when it does come, it's pretty effective. There's a scene in front of a church on the steps where it ends in a massacre that is just completely shocking for what it is because the movie is just you're in the psyche of this character through the whole movie and for him to do something with that you're just like whoa okay and it's got a super surreal um ending which mm-hmm. i'm not going to spoil for you but it's completely over the top and surreal and goes kind of with the character's mindset Um, And also, I I like how writer director Lewis Jackson does a lot of things where he does takeoffs on kind of Christmas legends and stuff. Because there's a scene in it where he's trying to enter someone's house going down the chimney and he gets stuck. So he has to like try and force his way out, which brought me back to Gremlins in a way. But it kind of, he forces his way out of the chimney. And I think this movie is completely underrated because it's not an outright slasher movie even though it was marketed as an outright slasher movie forever when it first came out. Right. It's a very psychological and it's very, it's kind of slowish, but I mean, it's great. The main performance is great. And uh, I just really dug what they brought to the table on it. I thought it was a really good portrait of someone who's losing their marbles.
1: Cool. Sold. I mean, I'll check it out now. I always thought this was going to be like a whispery movie, you know, with like, a lot of whispering going on, mm-hmm. you know, like I got voices in my head, that type of thing. No 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 it's like it's, maniac. No, it's like not, not like that, that I don't like maniac, but you know all that whispering, I don't like that shit.
0: No, it's 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 a portrait of a of a damaged person and I mean I think it's probably in the top tier of Christmas horror movies for sure. Cool. Uh, but it doesn't get the kind of love it deserves because people are more focused on Billy yelling Punish and <laughs> well, maybe, maybe and maybe the next movie we might bring up.
1: What's the next movie we're gonna bring up?
0: Well, I was thinking we could bring up one you watched last night.
1: Oh, that one. Yay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, okay. No, I, I mean, okay. We'll bring up Black Christmas. I've never seen it. And until uh, last night. Until last night, uh directed by Bob Clark came out in 1974. I I got to say, I mean, I totally see like and uh, because I haven't seen this before, mm-hmm. I always I did always think that Halloween was the first slasher movie, but wow like wow well i mean do you see that no idea do you see that i mean
0: <laughs> absolutely I mean, a lot this of people the first slasher movie there's no doubt a lot of people credit a bay of blood yeah for the slasher prototypes well too. let's go with america because I mean, what, a lot of people do mario baba was doing with that but for for black christmas the thing about that is i think that's the first time i remember seeing point of view shots of the killer
1: it opens with the point Yeah, of view which shot. is
0: what halloween It's famous for opening with as well. Yeah,
1: like holy shit. Like I couldn't believe my eyes when I was watching that opening scene. And
0: it's also got the stuff in it with the with the phone calls. Yeah, which is cloned in when a stranger calls like five years the later, whole, the whole where thing. it's like, oh, the calls are coming from the house. It's
1: pretty unbelievable just how influential this movie is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm shocked at myself that I haven't seen this. Now I got to go see fucking burning just because that's the only <laughs> that's the other big one I've never seen. I, but um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed that I've never seen this. And um, I definitely. Wow. I mean, it's so influential. um. It, bob clark directed and you can it's totally got his style from the time i'm um, like like you can really see death dream in this yeah and you can really see children shouldn't play with dead things like there was a real kind of grimy style that bob clark had at the time um not not even grimy just kind of i don't know what how you'd say it gritty i guess but because uh, it's not sleazy it was just well, kind of yeah. gritty
0: i found that the movie too because it's a prototype slasher in a way yeah is that it was more of a murder mystery than an actual outright slasher movie it was almost like a, a giallo in a way yeah, because yeah. It, like you know it had john saxon was who like was awesome what did he, he play in it again he was he was like the police chief he was like the like police, a police chief. cop yeah. yeah and he has to figure Detectives. out he has to figure out these murders that are going on and who's making these calls and missing children and all this stuff and it's it's yeah. way more mystery than it is outright slasher movie and, you know, there's some cool scenes in it. Like, there's that scene with the uh, plastic bag over the head, which always sticks in my mind. Yeah. and the, That's,
1: like, right off the cover of the video. Yeah. And
0: stuff. And, so that's not spoiling anything for you. And, and Margot Kidder is, like, the brash, alcoholic yeah. sorority girl, which is, like, her best performance, probably apart from Superman. Yeah. And, um,
1: you know, she's not in it very much. I thought she'd be in She it was more. really great in it, though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, and I like your comment that you put on Twitter last night about... Uh, a, Art Hindle's about jacket. About Hindle's jacket. Coat, what was yeah. the exact words?
1: <laughs> I just said Art Hindle looked like
0: Sasquatch busting into a police station yeah, he was wearing this jacket. That was pretty awesome. But yeah. I, I just think it's funny that Bob Clark made that. Because when you think about it, he's made three really, really well-loved movies that are all different from each other. Because he made Black Christmas. Yeah. Which... Without a Doubt is one of the most influential movies towards slasher movies. Yeah. He made Porky's. Yeah. Which is, without a doubt, the most influential teen sex comedy ever made. Yeah. And he made A Christmas Story. Yeah. Which is, unlike you, even though you don't like it, it's probably one of the most loved childhood Christmas movies yeah. ever made. Yeah. And they're all so different from one another. That it's just weird that it's the same guy who managed to do that. The guy made three super awesome, super different movies in his career. Unfortunately, he ended with shit like Baby Geniuses and and Karate Dog before he died in that car accident. Yeah, and God. I mean, but Bob Clark is like probably. He's a really underrated Canadian director. He made yeah. a lot I of great Bob movies. I think Bob Clark's
1: American, but he was cashing well, in on the tax a, shelters. Yeah, it could be. But, but I mean, he, um, yeah, I, I met Bob Clark. I, he did a talk at a, at an event here in Vancouver and I was doing a book signing and stuff of um, a book on Canadian tax shelter movies. And what a cool, like, really nice man as well. And mm-hmm. and everyone that you hear talk about Bob Clark talks about what a nice man he was. And, well, yeah. And yeah. There's,
0: there's a documentary out there called Clark World from yeah. 2007, oh, yeah, which yeah. is actually really fun and, and a really good portrait of him as a director and as a person. Yeah. Because he does seem like he was a really cool, nice guy. And you said to me you kind of didn't like Black Christmas?
1: No, I was just giving you a hard time. Did you like it? I did like it. I mean, I thought um, Kier Delay as the um, boyfriend, Mm -hmm. because Olivia Hussey's kind of the main girl, um, and she's pregnant, and that's not a spoiler either. Um, And her boyfriend kind of goes off because uh, she wants to get an abortion. Mm -hmm. And Kier Delay plays the boyfriend, and I thought he gave a really good performance, way different than Dave from 2001. Like, you wouldn't
0: even barely know it's the same actor right
1: so i thought he was really
0: really good. i found she was kind of just she was okay but she did a lot of like concerned over a- acting in a way yeah i didn't like her a lot i
1: mean she was nice to look at she had come off uh, zeffirelli's romeo and juliet and mm-hmm. she hasn't really done a lot um she was she played uh, norma bates in psycho four i think oh did she yeah she's she's a pretty girl but um yeah i i didn't think she really was that good? But she you know, she was effective in the scene. she needs to be effective I just, in. I
0: just find that movie to be, because it's such a prototype and so influential, that I can sit down with that movie and I can pick it apart now and say, okay, this movie took this, this movie took this, and this movie totally. took this. And when you're watching it, you're like, this is four years prior
1: to Halloween. Just between Halloween and When a Stranger Calls, how much those yeah. two ripped on this. It's crazy.
0: I mean, and Halloween's my favorite horror movie yeah. of all time. I mean, I love Black Christmas. Yeah, and I mean, while we're on the topic of Black Christmas, should we talk about the t- briefly talk about the 2006 remake?
1: I think we should bring it up.
0: Let's bring it up because it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's oh, well, it was done by
1: Glenn Morgan, who was from X Files and Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, this it was just kind of like a teeny bopper, uh, sequel. Um.
0: I just remember that the killer liked to I make flesh cookies out of his victims, and they made it a lot more gory and more teen-oriented and, and campy.
1: Was it good, though, or was it I hated shitty it. like, I hated like it. some of the other ones? And
0: I hated it because of the legacy of the original. Yeah. I mean, that's a movie that didn't need to be re- remade. No. And it's especially updated for those new teen audiences. It's just terrible. Yeah. So that's all I want to say about that. And um, really, I don't have... Anything else to mention if we want to just do some quick shout outs to some movies that we really think should be watched that we haven't really seen or can remember that much and then we'll we'll close this up here. What do you think?
1: Sure, yeah, there's a few there's a few I'd like to bring up for sure.
0: Okay, I'll start with a couple here while we're on the horror section here. Um I just wanted to quickly mention a couple more Killer Santa movies. There's a nineteen eighty four one called Don't Open Till Christmas. Right. Starring Edmund Purdom. And it's like a British slasher movie with a killer Santa, and it's a mystery, too. I haven't seen it. It's out on DVD from Mondo Macabre, and uh, the only scene I remember is a guy in a, in a bathroom at a urinal getting his penis cut off, and that's okay. a pretty bloody scene. And then there's also... There's,
1: uh, in that one also... Um, mm-hmm. Carolyn Monroe does this weird oh, okay. singing scene. I don't. Okay, I yeah. saw. I saw a clip of it, and it was. Yeah, just I saw a the old, random scene. I think she plays herself.
0: I and... saw the old R-rated VHS version, so I can't really speak of it that well
1: Purdom directed it as well and he he's horror fans will know him from pieces and he was also in 2019 the after the fall of New oh, York okay. movie. Yep. but uh, yeah he directed the movie as well
0: and another killer Santa movie I just want to quickly mention that I've never seen but I do have sitting at home on DVD so I might have to crank it out is Santa's Slay.
1: Yeah, I watched a trailer for this which last is, uh, night too. Which and... is Bill Goldberg, yeah.
0: the wrestler, starring as uh, Killer Santa Claus. It's produced by Brett Ratner, who did uh, the Rush Hour movies.
1: Well, and the director, David Steinman, is actually was Brett Ratner's assistant. Oh,
0: really? Okay. Yeah. And I've seen the opening scene in it, which is fucking amazing. Where Santa comes down, Bill Goldberg Santa comes down the chimney and murders everyone at a Christmas dinner, and it's like Fran Drescher and Chris Kattan and all these annoying fucking comedic actors I can't stand. So I've seen that scene and it was amazing, but apparently the rest of the movie doesn't hold up to that scene, and it's it's kind of like Santa's a demon in that movie.
1: Yeah, but he's like kind of like a comedy demon yeah and like watching the trailer for this i have no interest
0: well i have it at home i might have to crank it out and see what happens the cover
1: i was interested but watching the trailer yeah. no.
0: and the only other horror one i have is from 1989 starring my friend dan haggerty called elves
1: yeah that's why i wanted to bring up dan hagger grizzly adams earlier elves looks fucked up man
0: i mean it's basically a bunch of elves that are nazis <laughs> killing people and I don't remember much of this movie I just remember I hated it at the time but I feel like if I watched it now I'd fucking love it
1: yeah it's much maligned but it looks pretty I good I love the cover me. for it where it's got the
0: demon he- the the elf hand which is like this clawed hand coming out of a present and unwrapping the bow <laughs> I love that it's a gremlins ripoff that artwork but I love that cover and yeah. I, I think I might have to re-watch it
1: yeah I kind of want to check it out well, maybe I, watched we the, should... I watched the trailer last night and it looked pretty maybe
0: we should watch it together yeah it looks pretty good let's try and find a copy of this bad boy and we'll check it out. <laughs> For sure. What else you got?
1: Okay, I wanted to bring up a movie from 2010. It's a Finnish movie called Rare Exports. Yeah, which
0: I have, but I haven't seen. Yeah. It's Story pretty cool. of My Life.
1: It's um it's about this little kid and they're they're living in this like farm thing in in I guess Finland and uh,
0: A Finnish movie? <laughs> they're in Finland? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out. Crazy, eh? Uh-huh. Um what happens is there's this giant tomb that's unearthed like this massive like mountainous tomb and they I I think what I haven't seen this for a few years so forgive me if I'm a little off here but I believe what happens I believe this is the tomb of Santa Claus and um, they this this little boy and his family and his I think it's his dad I don't think there's a mom around they find Santa Claus and keep him captive in their (laughs) in their um, barn and then he I, I bust out. From what I remember, he busts out and then things go apeshit. I don't remember a lot about this movie, but it's it's really well done. Like it looks like a big budget movie, and um, it's it's atmospheric. It's very original. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it when I watched it, but I just unfortunately don't really remember it, and I don't know why. But um, it, it a lot
0: of people really dig this movie, and I I, th- I I think I'd give it a recommend. I have it sitting at home on Blu-ray, so maybe I'll have to check it out. And that reminds me. Speaking of foreign movies, there's a movie from the Netherlands that I want to mention, uh, directed by Dick Moss, who did a movie called The Lift back in the '80s that I really like. It's a killer elevator movie, and it's called Saint Nick. Yeah, he also did Amsterdam. It's actually called Saint. I think it's it's called called this one now. Yeah, and it's it's a killer Santa Claus movie too. But he's like a demon. Yeah, and I remember I've only seen the opening scene. Me and opening scenes. I don't know (laughs) what it is, but he's it's I think it's the 1700s, and he just murders an entire village. Yeah, and it's a pretty great scene, and I, I want to watch the rest of the movie. And I was watching it on Netflix, but they pulled it down. So oh, okay, we'll have to see what happens with that.
1: What's well, interesting that that was also in 2010, like just like rare exports. So mm-hmm. a big movie for European, uh, big year for European Christmas movies. I guess but so. the Saint movie looks it again. Looks really, it looks like they spent some money on it. it looks like yeah, a really, it looks really good action values,
0: and it looks like they are playing on like European myths of Saint Nicholas. Yeah, to to fuel their movies. And I think that's interesting because I, I find Europe has a lot more in depth, like stories and, and fairy tales about St. Nick. Yeah. And, uh, it's good to see them bringing that. Cause I, America's version of St. Nick is just so commercialized and downplayed that, it's interesting to see these European takes on it, and and seeing how dark they turn out. Yeah, like the
1: the Rare Exports movie too. Like, I mean, again, not a kids movie. I mean, I I seem to remember like the Santa Claus is like kidnapping children and boiling them and shit. Like, maybe I'm off on that, but I, I do I remember it being disturbing. I want to watch it. And there's like a reindeer slaughter and stuff. I'm yeah. watching it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, just a couple ones, um, other ones that I'd like to bring up um one would be uh santa claus do you remember this one? oh with debbie roshan <laughs> yeah and john
0: a russo who so, co-wrote night of the living dead did it yeah john oh, russo boy. who wrote
1: night of the living dead directed this it came out in 1996 it's terrible now this is back in the day when scream queens illustrated magazine i don't mm-hmm. know if horror fans out there scream queen fans remember this it was kind of like playboy for scream Queens*. yeah it was smut yeah it was when draculina was big but this there was a magazine put out and john russo i believe was behind the magazine as well. I think so. And... Um, it was
0: kind of a tie-in to the magazine. It was kind of a tie Debbie Roshan was a model doing, like, shoots. She was like
1: a horror actress. Mm-hmm. Horror. horror. Actress. Horror? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, she was doing, um, doing photo shoots in this crazed like fan was coming after her and I believe he was in a Santa outfit and the crazed fan was actually an actor named Grant Kramer who was in Hard Bodies a movie which I always I've get seen mixed seen Killer
0: Clowns from Outer Space as well I
1: think he was oh okay I always get that uh, movie mixed up with Heavenly Bodies but uh um, yeah, but Grant Kramer was the star, and he was this crazed fan. I found him super annoying, almost as annoying as the the killer in Silent Night. Honestly,
0: I? the only thing I like about Santa Claus is Debbie Rochon's extended topless photo shoot.
1: Debbie, yeah, Debbie does a, a photo shoot. Um, it's kind of cool if you're a fan of Night of the Living Dead because um, there's a few cameos in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marilyn Eastman and uh, Carl Hardman and Bill Hinsman all make appearances in this movie, but it's a this is a cheap, kind of shitty. Slasher. I don't understand
0: off, John Russo. That
1: was an excuse to show Debbie
0: Roshan's I really tits. don't understand John Russo, how he went from co-writing. You can tell who got the talent on that fucking thing, Romero or Russo, because yeah. Romero went on to make all these great movies, and Russo made shit like The Majorettes and Midnight and Santa Claus. Yeah. Fuck.
1: Yeah. Um, so there was an, actually an offshoot that his company put out on this as well
0: called Scream Queen's Naked Christmas. And it <laughs> was pretty much like... Sounds the, as bad as like Scream Queen's Hot Tub Party or whatever that movie's well, called.
1: the scene that you enjoyed from Santa Claus of Debbie Rochon and her photo shoot... Is in there? This Scream Queen's Naked Christmas is basically uh, a one-hour photo shoot with a couple of others Christine Cavalier and uh, Liz, Lisa Duvall but um, not worth picking up but I mean if you're just looking for the nudity and shit probably pick that one up instead of so, watching so Santa So it wouldn't Claus. have been as
0: bad if it was like the pre when the internet got big and you couldn't see porn whenever you wanted you could just pick up the screen queens thing and and you know have your way with yourself
1: exactly <laughs> yeah, i guess <laughs> yeah awkward <laughs> um also wanted to bring up santa claus conquers the martians i was going to bring that 1964. up 1964 um cheap this is just a cheap sci-fi movie yeah piazadora Pia plays Zadora one of the kids kid, yeah um not a lot to say about that, but it it's, looks like it's the kind of, of a movie you would trailer. see on Mystery
0: Science Theater 3000. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. Um, I also like to bring up Tales from the Crypt, the um, the British movie from 1972. I love that scene. Yeah, it had a segment called An All Through the House. Um, Joan Collins was the star of the segment in the 1972 version, and then in the television show. Um, in 1989, it was remade in season one, yep. um, starring Larry Drake as a killer Santa. Yeah. So the think, same story. I think these,
0: this might have been your part of the influence on Silent Night, Deadly Night in those movies, yeah. too, because it's very similar in style and tone.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it was first done in, in the original Tales from the Crypt movie and then remade in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I'd like to bring up is To All a Good Night. This was um, a slasher movie made in 1980.
0: Yeah, just recently put out on Blu-ray by Scorpion, I think. I think. Was
1: it Scorpion? I think it was Scorpion. Yeah. Directed by David Hess, who we all know as Krug from Last House on the Left. Oh, yeah. Piss your Um, pants. Piss your (laughs) pants. (laughs) (laughs) I got a story about that. I'll tell you off air. Um, Not that I pissed my pants. Oh, I just did an awkward thing. Um, This also starred Jennifer Runyon. Do you know who that is? Yep. From Up the Creek. Yep. I love Up the Creek. Yeah. And she was also... um, Hang uh, on. Hang
0: on. Did you? Did David Hess make you piss your pants? No. Okay, you have to tell me off air. No,
1: I once I thought about tell me off air. Tell no, me off no. Off me. I, I'll just say I once thought of doing a short film of having. Um, crazed fans kidnap david hess and make him piss his pants <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and my friend and we were, were talking about actually approaching approaching david hess and i my friend actually met david he hess would totally time, do it. and i think he talked to him about it i think he might have been game but it's too late now
0: he probably would have done it rest in peace dave
1: raven yeah david Hess, rest in peace um so jennifer running was also in uh, charles in charge she was uh chuck's uh Main crush. I and want Charles
0: in charge of me <laughs> in, the first, in the
1: first season. <laughs> anyway, uh have you seen Charles Good Night?
0: I saw it a long time ago on VHS. I don't remember too much about it.
1: Yeah, I i would have thought coming from Hesse, this it's weird. a killer Santa movie. Again. Yeah, I don't think it's very sleazy though. I, I just think it's. I like heard a it's typical. got a fair share
0: of nudity in it. Yeah, and but I heard it was made in like sixteen days. It was like a a quick crank out job. Okay, but I mean, I, I I'm thinking about picking up the Blu-ray, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to invest the 20 bucks.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I think I'm kind of at the end here. I mean, there's a, again, like, I'm sure there's some stuff we've missed, but I think we kind of got all the greatest yeah. hits.
0: And if we miss stuff, you guys can always tell us when you go visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash GBW podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at GBW podcast because, you know, We like to have people follow us and hear Josh talk about Art Hindle looking like Sasquatch. (laughs) And uh, you can also go on iTunes and subscribe to us and give us a rating, which would be really cool because we like to hear from you guys. If there's any topics you want us to hit, we're more than willing to do that for you. Just let us know. Otherwise, we hope you all have a great holiday season and that uh, Santa brings you presents instead of murdering you in your sleep. (laughs) But otherwise, my name is Chris. And with me is Josh, and we will see you next time. Merry Christmas, everyone.